Hello, church family. I hope you are safe and healthy at this time. Our family misses you all. In this time of shelter in place, we're thankful to God for providing the technology that allows us to gather together virtually to be able to study God's Word. Tonight, we are going to continue our series about spiritual warfare in Christ. And we are going to focus on the armor of God, which is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 17. Our format today is that we're going to read the passage, study the passage, and have a Q&A session later. First, let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are eternally thankful for the gospel that you've revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We're thankful that even though that we still live in this dark, broken, and fallen world, that you are with us, especially in this time of COVID-19. Please open the eyes of our hearts to know your word. May we have humble hearts to know your truth and be able to turn our eyes upon Christ. And as we know your truth, strengthen our inner being so that, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's open our Bible and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, let's start with verse 10 and then up to verse 17. Our main passage is verses 14 to 17, but I would like us to start with verse 10 to set up the context of our passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If you've been following the news lately, one of the most talked about topics is the lack of personal protective equipment like masks for our frontliners in the medical field. No one can deny the importance of wearing a protective equipment in a time of war. Our world is in a war right now with one of the greatest pandemics in our history. The governor of New York which is the epicenter of COVID-19 in our country, said about coronavirus. He said that it's an enemy that attacks the weakest among us. This is a different kind of enemy. 
It is an insidious, an invisible enemy, and people are going to die. End of quote. We, as Christians, have an enemy far more dangerous than the coronavirus. He's been a murderer and a liar since the beginning. He is a crafty and scheming serpent who slanders, accuses, puts doubts in the minds of people, who prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Yes, we are at war against the devil. Satan is powerful. But remember, he's a defeated enemy. He was defeated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at the cross. Satan is defeated, and yet he still, he still attacks God's children. We are still at war while we live in this world. He is committed to our destruction. And we are commanded to put on the, the whole armor of God to stand against his attacks, which is found in verse 13. Now, the second half of chapter 6 is Paul's conclusion to the book of Ephesians. The spiritual armor of God is not a different and standalone topic. In fact, the words that we, that we find the armor, like truth, righteousness, faith, salvation, gospel, peace, word, have all been mentioned from chapters 1 to 5. Chapters 1 to 3, if you remember, is about who we are in Christ. Chapters 3 to 6 is about our walk in Christ. And this last part of chapter 6 is our protection in Christ. Now, for our protection in Christ, Paul used the image of a Roman soldier or a Roman soldier's armor to put on, connected to the spiritual truths that, has, that he has been saying all throughout the whole book of Ephesians. Now, to set some historical context, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he was in house arrest. He was chained to a Roman soldier. So when Paul was describing the armor, his audience was familiar with it, and they could picture these pieces of armor. Now, I cannot show a PowerPoint slide, but at least I can show a visual aid. So I bought my son a Roman soldier toy. Right? So I hit two birds with one stone. So this is a Roman soldier toy. And as you can see in his stance, he is both in a defensive and offensive position, right? And Paul stated about the belt. The belt of the Roman soldier, right, is very important. You know, the Roman soldier wore a tunic of loose-fitting clothing or a loose-fitting clothing and other weapons. The tunic is this red part here, right? Since ancient battles were mostly hand-to-hand -hand combat, the loose tunic was a potential hindrance and danger. The belt secures the loose materials, right? And he's ready for war when he wears that. Now, the breastplate. The breastplate, as you can see here, is both at the back and at the front. It is a strong molded metal chest. 
uh, that covers the soldier's um, upper body, protecting his most vulnerable parts, his heart and other vital organs. The third piece of armor is his shoes, the footwear. You know, Roman soldiers wore footwear that are like sandal boots with nails under them to grip the ground in combat that helps him stand his ground. Now, the next armor is the shield. Soldiers need a shield to protect their bodies against the offensive weapons of attacks from their enemies. There's also the helmet. It protects the head, always a major target in battle. And lastly, we have the sword. A sword was a soldier's only weapon, and it can be used for both defensive and offensive purposes. Now, Paul's audience back then would be able to picture the armor during their time. Paul used the Roman soldier's armor as an image linked to spiritual truths. So from a spiritual context, when Paul is talking about putting on the whole armor of God, he means putting on Christ. That's in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. This passage is connected all the way back to Ephesians 1 and all the first half of Ephesians, oh, chapter 6. It's all connected. And based on our passage, spiritual warfare is about the believer trusting, depending upon God and His power. Spiritual warfare is not about praying a magical prayer and all of a sudden, the armor comes to you. It's about fulfilling all that they are in Christ and all that they have in Christ, walking in Christ-likeness by faith. Now, let's take a closer look at the armor of God. Number one, the belt of truth. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth is mentioned six times in Ephesians. An example is chapter 1, verse 13, which is the content of doctrine that we are to believe. So that's biblical truth. The belt of truth puts on the biblical beliefs of the Christians as a whole. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now, why is it important to understand biblical truth? Satan is the enemy of truth. In John chapter 8, Jesus said that Satan does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaks lies, and humanity fell into sin because Eve bought the devil's lies rather than believing the truth of God. If you go to battle not being grounded in truth, being spiritually confused, you will be defeated. And just like Eve, you'll fall to the devil's trap. You're going to use your feelings, your emotions, and experience rather than being anchored in truth. Now, you might say, yes, I'm knowledgeable about the biblical truth. I read my Bible every day. Now, there's a danger 
that it could just be all head knowledge. Truth in content is important. But the other aspect of truth is the attitude of truthfulness. It is an attitude of integrity. It is opposed to hypocrisy. This is about sincerity and commitment. And you can see why Paul used this in the context of a belt of a Roman soldier. See, in the biblical times, fastening your belt means to gird up your loins or to get ready for battle. It is used 52 times in the Bible in the context of war. Wearing the belt means having an attitude of true commitment in the battle. And that belt holds his clothes and other weapons by wearing it. A Roman soldier wouldn't go into battle with his clothes flapping in the air. Without the belt, his clothes will be flying around and it will be a distraction that can lead to, see, to his death. You see, what Paul is saying here is not, not only knowing the truth about God, it also deals with the truth to ourselves. When we are tempted, do we find ourselves saying, I don't know if I really want to resist this. Do we even want to win the battle? If we are not fully committed to our Christian walk, we are being hypocrites. We are being lukewarm, not being hot, not being cold. And Christ is going to spit us out. The opposite of a truthful attitude is hypocrisy. And Satan uses hypocrisy. He can appear as an angel of light. Satan wears a mask. Brothers and sisters, are we wearing a mask? We could go on with a smile, letting others think that we're all fine. But what we actually do is we're not being truthful. That we wear a mask to the point that we don't address the real problems in our hearts. That we don't open up or confess or tell the truth to the point that no shepherding is happening. Psalm 51 verse 6 says, God desires truth in the inward part. And you can't play games with God. A true soldier of Christ is someone who upholds the truth both in doctrine and in attitude, because hypocrisy and self-deception are real stumbling blocks that can lead to a big fall. Which leads me to the second piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And verse 14 says, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What was the righteousness that Paul was talking about? Was he talking about the imputed righteousness that is, uh, that is given to us by faith? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we have a righteousness granted to us by God. And that righteousness makes us blameless beyond condemnation. That righteousness is from Christ. It becomes ours by grace through faith. But look carefully at the verb. That Paul used here. He said, put on. Who is the doer of the action? Is it God or the believer? It's the believer, right? It's us. 
This is about the practical and personal righteousness of a true born-again Christian that is born in him at regeneration. Yes, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ, but we can't live a life of unholiness. We have to walk in righteousness, in obedience to Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is not self-righteousness, because true righteousness can only come from Christ. It's not walking in the flesh. It's about walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit, which is linked to Ephesians chapter 5. And Paul has been saying this all throughout the second half of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, he says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is why all of these pieces of armor are all connected together. Even if you're wearing the belt of truth, meaning you're committed and knowing the truth, but if there are sins that are unconfessed, sins unrepented, you're vulnerable because you are without the breastplate of righteousness. This is why we hear of stories of pastors, church leaders, seminarians who have fallen into sin and end up losing their testimony and usefulness for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It does not matter how much they knew or how passionate they were for ministry. They still went after the deceitful desires of their hearts, whether that be money, lust, or power. Let me ask you a question. Is the pursuit of holiness a priority for us? In relation to the previous, previous chapters of Ephesians, are we walking in love? Are we walking in the light? Are we walking wisely with our use of time? Are we walking in unity? Are we walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. In this COVID-19 crisis, while being isolated, a lot of our idols are being revealed. How's our battle against lust, anger, pride, worry, greed, discontentment? You see, we need to put off the old self and put on Christ by faith. And we cannot take sin lightly. Now the third armor, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Verse 15 says, As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers back then wore a durable footwear that has a good grip on the ground during combat. It's meant to protect their feet. Do you know the feeling when you stub your toe or step on something painful? The other day, I stubbed my toe, and in the past, I stepped on my son's Lego toys, and it is really painful. 
to the point that I could not stand uh, properly. You can be the best soldier. You can have the, the best upper body armor. You can even have the best sword. But if your foot is injured, you're debilitated. You won't be able to stand firm. Now, Bible commentators said that this is about sharing the gospel related to Romans chapter 10, verse 15. But if you look at the main verb of the whole passage, Paul is talking about standing firm three times. This is about the believers standing firm in the gospel. Paul is talking about primarily standing and not going. Yes, we need to go. We need to proclaim the gospel. But the issue here that Paul is talking about is standing firm in a battle against the devil as he attacks us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Stand fast in the faith. And the idea here is that our feet need to be equipped to stand firmly when the attacking blows of the enemy come. Now, it says the shoes of the gospel of peace. But what is the gospel in this context? It means we are at peace with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, we were once children of wrath, and we believe the gospel by His grace through faith in Christ, and now we are on God's side. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For Christ Himself is our peace, that He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. John MacArthur says, The gospel of peace means the good news. That the good news through Christ, we are at peace with God, and He is on our side. It is that confidence of divine support which, which allows the believer to stand firm knowing he is at peace with God, and God is his strength. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 37 to 39, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Satan has been spreading a lot of bad news of discouragement during the COVID-19 crisis. Have we been worried and fearful too much lately? Can we honestly say we're standing firmly in peace? We have to remember and embrace the good news of the gospel of Christ, that He is on our side, that, that our ultimate problem is not coronavirus, but sin. And through the gospel, that is that, that through the gospel that we are no longer slaves to sin. We may fall into the thinking that the gospel is only for unbelievers. 
that we Christians need advanced material to move on. The gospel tells us that we belong to God and He is on our side. So when the attacks of the enemy come, we can stand fast in the faith because we have peace with God through Christ. Which leads me to the fourth armor, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. In verse 16, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Paul refers to the temptation or discouragements of the enemy that are like fiery darts. They are furious suggestions of evil, like lust, greed, pride, covetousness, anger, worry, anxiousness, discouragements, and doubts. At the core of the temptation is to make you dissatisfied. Not only dissatisfaction with what you have, but dissatisfaction with what God says you should have or gives you. Observe how Satan tempted Eve in Genesis 3. He implied to Eve that God doesn't want the best for you. Or there's something wrong with what God said. You know, look at that fruit, Eve. It's so good to eat. He's withholding something good from you. Are you letting the serpent influence your thinking with his fiery darts? Thoughts like, is God really in control of this situation which attacks his character? Or thoughts like, you deserve some relief and comfort. Watch a little of ungodly entertainment which attacks your faith in finding true rest and comfort from Christ. Or thoughts like, you deserve your best life now. You don't need to suffer. Which undermines our faith in Christ that He knows our needs far better than we do. The fiery darts of Satan can be extinguished by trusting in God and believing in what He says from His Word. And that's faith in Him, in His character, and what He says is truth. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Some of us might experience loss of jobs or pay cuts, uncertainty in our career, or maybe dissatisfaction about the current situation in this COVID-19. But let's trust our God who says that don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. We are His children, and we're more valuable than the birds in the air, just like what He said in Matthew chapter 6. Let's trust the one who causes all things to work together for good, so that we can be molded into the image of His Son. And let's believe Him because his word is true. Now, for our fifth armor, the helmet of salvation. Verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation. This passage is speaking to those who are already saved. Therefore, 
This is not about attaining salvation. So what is the helmet then? It is the assurance of our salvation. You see, Satan seeks to destroy a believer's assurance of salvation with his weapons of doubt and discouragement. Satan wants to put doubts about our salvation, but we can be strong in God's promises of a future salvation secured in us. In Scripture, John chapter 6, verse 39 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You see, security is a fact. Assurance is a feeling that comes to the obedient children. If we live in light of that promise of salvation, it will affect how we live our lives here. It will affect how we view suffering, knowing that everything here is temporary, but what is promised to us is eternal. To give you an illustration, I like watching sports. And usually, I don't have time to watch three to four hours of basketball or football. So what I do, if my team has won, I watch the highlights. Now, during the first quarter, if they are down 15 to 20 or 20 points, I'm not worried because I know the ending. I'm not worried if the opponent you know, does some trash talking, you know, feeling that they are going to win the game. I'm not worried, worried because I know the ending. I'm not anxious when I see the best player down because I know the ending that they will win. Brothers and sisters, we know the ending because of what it says here in His Word. We have assurance about our ending. It seems like we are down 50 points right now. I don't know what quarter it is, but we don't have to worry because we know our eternal destiny. And Satan wants to paralyze us with doubts and fear in our current battles in our salvation. But we will be able to endure because we know we won't be in the battle forever. There is an end. And not only that, we know the result of the ending. Therefore, we have hope. And lastly, the last armor here is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. You know, verse 17 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the same way, God's Word is the only weapon that a believer infinitely more, that is infinitely more powerful than any of Satan's devices. A sword was used both defensively and offensively. It's the truth of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, how did Jesus battle against the enemy? Did he use force? Did he send legion of angels against the enemy? He always began with three simple words. He, be, he began with saying, by saying, It is written. He spoke the word of God. And God's word is sufficient. 
It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is sufficient. It is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It is a light on our path. It is perfect, refreshing the soul. If we know that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is our most powerful weapon, are we using it? Brothers and sisters, are we in the Word? And Garrett will be expounding this more in part three of our series, series which focuses more on the offensive armor of God. As we close, remember that Paul concludes his letter to the Ephesians that every believer is in a spiritual, spiritual warfare. Wearing the, the armor is an expression of a believer's dependence on God to be strengthened and enabled by Him through faith, walking in Christ-likeness. It is, it is not the armor of the flesh. This is about being Christ-like. It's putting on Christ. You know, Easter is coming this weekend. And while Christ was still here on earth, Christ himself wore the armor of God as he went to the cross on our behalf. His journey to the cross is the true example of putting on the whole armor of God. And his work on the cross has secured for his people the same armor he himself wore. If you're a husband, your wife's number one need from you right now is not your problem-solving skills in this time of uncertainty. Her number one need from you is for you to be Christ-like. If you are a wife, your husband's greatest need right now during this time is not your home management skills or how perfect your home-cooked meal is. He needs you to walk in Christ-likeness. If you are a parent, your children's number one need from you is not to be perfect in homeschooling, but for them to see you walking like Christ, that you're standing firm in the faith. If you are single and staying with housemates, their number one need from you is to see that you are walking in Christ. Or if, even if you're staying with your parents. That's what Ephesians is all about from chapters 1 to chapter 6. It's about fulfilling all that we are in Christ, all that we have in Christ, and walking in Christ-likeness by faith. And that is our spiritual armor. And as I close... Let me read Paul's prayer that brought him down to his knees. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, he said this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted, grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, you have provided us the grace and strength to be able to stand firm in the faith. We thank you for the spiritual armor that we have in Christ. Whatever piercing truth that has been revealed to us tonight, may we forsake our pride, our lack of faith in you, our worldliness, our dependence on our own resources. Forgive us for forgetting that we are in a spiritual battle. May we take this seriously. May you grant us the power to strengthen our faith. May we, may we walk in love and holiness the same way Christ walked here on earth for your glory. May we put on the full armor of God. Help us to put off the ways of the flesh and put on Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs>